Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Dr. Janet Courtney to the show for part one of their discussion on infant mental health and Dr. Courtney's first play therapy model. Part two will be released on Tuesday, January 5th. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you from here at Chaddock. I'm excited to share an introduction of my guest today, who is Dr. Janet Courtney. Dr. Courtney is a PhD and an LCSW and founder of First Play Therapy, which is an infant mental health and developmental play therapy model. Uh, She is also the director of the Developmental Play and Attachment Therapies Incorporated and a registered play therapist and play therapist supervisor. She's a TEDx speaker. She's been the chair of the Association for Play Therapy Ethics and Practice Committee and past president of the Florida Association for Play Therapy, as well as the former chair of the Viola Brody Award Committee. She has authored and co-authored a number of articles and various books. I'm going to name a few of those, but we will also talk with her about them when she hops on for the podcast here in a few minutes. But she's the author and co-editor of Touch in Child Counseling and Play Therapy, an Ethical and Clinical Guide. Um, And her research into practitioner experiences of training in touch and developmental play therapy has been published in the American Journal of Art Therapy and the International Journal of Play Therapy. As I said, she has contributed many book chapters, including looking at first play and developmental play as it relates to autism and various other diagnoses. She has spoken all over the world. Um, Here, of course, in the United States, as well as Cayman Islands, England, Ireland, Morocco, Russia, and the Ukraine. So I am so looking forward to talking with um, Janet Courtney today. Uh, Dr. Courtney specializes in infant mental health and infant play therapy, attachment, and trauma-related issues. So she's certainly a good fit for us here at the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. So we will be right up with her interview. All right. Well, Dr. Janet Courtney, it's so good to have you here on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Karen. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes. I know um, our listeners are going to be so interested in hearing about the development of your first play model um, and also very interested in the topic of touch in child therapy. You've written about that extensively, and sometimes that can be a controversial or misunderstood idea Mm -hmm. or concept. So I think that's going to be so important for us to talk about. And then, of course, attachment theory underlies all of your your work, your your models, and the things that you write about. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. (laughs) 
Now, I shared with our listeners uh, before you came on your more formal background and some of your training and the books that, that you've written in articles, but I also like to always ask, so what's your informal bio? Like what, <laughs> what from, uh, for whatever you're comfortable sharing personally through you to this work uh, uh, as opposed to your formal training? Well, thank you so much for asking that because that really is a um, important question. And so, I mean, you know, you can't talk about attachment with, you know, for your clients without always the finger turning back to yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I you know, growing, you know, growing up and of course learning later when I got into graduate school about attachment theory, I had a teacher in one of my courses, in one of my graduate courses. And um, she said that the three areas that women normally gravitate to, the three caretaking um, areas of profession that women gravitate to are social work or, you know, therapy work, um, nursing, and education. Mm -hmm. And so when I thought about that, I realized that, well, wait a second. My sister, my older sister was a nurse. Uh -huh. My younger sister is a teacher. And I became a social worker. <laughs> wow. So, so you, all, guys, you have it all covered. So anyway, so I, I tell this story to my mother. So I go home and I'm, you know, I'm learning all these things at school and graduate school. And I'm like, mom, mom, guess what? This is what I learned about the three caretaking roles that women normally gravitate to. And then I told her, social work, education, and nursing. And oh, isn't it interesting that, you know, my two sisters are in these fields too. And her immediate reaction was, well, you didn't learn it from me. <laughs> and so what was very, very telling about this, because I really had to think about this in terms of attachment, yes. was we, we always think of attachment where we look at the, the nurturing and the exciting. You know, we look at the nurturing type of experiences and the joy and exciting type of experiences, because what I've learned from Sir Richard Balby is that we need both of those for attachment. We need the joy and we also need the nurturing. So she said, you didn't learn it from me. But then as I said that, no, but we learned that from our father. Mm. So the father, my dad was more of the nurturing one in the family, but my mom was more of the one that provided the, the excitement in the family. Like, oh, we're going to get to do this tomorrow or, you know, we're planning a party, you know. So, and my dad did the, the exciting type of experience play too, but my mom pro didn't provide necessarily more of the nurturing. My father balanced that. So, it was interesting when you say, what's the story behind it? I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And then beyond that, you know, professionally, when I started really understanding about attachment theory, of course, I learned it in graduate school, but it didn't necessarily click. But later in the late, late 80s, 1980s, I um, became an adoption and foster care uh, worker. 
Mm-hmm. And once once I started working in that, then in that field, you know, even back in the 80s, was all about attachment, all about understanding how do we um, create and support attachment relationships between the adoptive parents or the foster parents that were working with, with children at that time. And of course, back then, I have to tell you, we had no understanding about trauma and how trauma, you know, affects the attachment relationship. We saw it maybe as crisis or crisis intervention. I mean, we maybe called it, we might have called it different things, but we didn't necessarily label it or we didn't have the neuroscience behind us back then. But I, I do recall, and I'll, I'll share with you just a, a quick um, experience that I had um, as an adoption social worker. But basically, I was um, at the office. It was late in the day. I live in South Florida. It was very, very hot. I mean, just we, I was in this old building up on the second floor, and you know, this window unit was trying to cool the, the room, but it was just struggling to do so. I mean, this is how hot it was in Florida, so muggy. Well, then I get a call from the secretary. Janet, please come down here very quickly. And I was the only one in the office at that time. We had a small agency. So we ran downstairs because I was really concerned what is going on. When I got down there, there was a mother with her holding her baby and like a two-year-old at her at her feet. And she stood there and said, I want to place my children for adoption. And so my heart sank. And I said, please come upstairs. I mean, I can't tell you, she was ready to bolt out the door. And I kept trying to get her to stay and ask questions. And of course, the children were sitting there very despondent. I had to get them, you know, I got them some water, some food, you know, some snacks. Well, anyway, within 15 minutes, she was racing out the door. I I barely got her to sign any adoption papers. But what stood out for me, and this is what I need that I'm getting to, is once she left the room, the children, they just, they were despondent. They were, they didn't, there was no searching. They didn't cry. They weren't looking for where mom was. There was no protest. And I didn't understand about trauma at that time, but I did understand that these children were really suffering emotionally and psychologically. And of course, later, as I went on, you know, down the line, I understood more about what was happening in that moment as I as she placed that baby in my arms. And, you know, and now these children became my responsibility at this moment. So as I was in this environment, I was wanting to learn more about how do we help these children? How do we help them to attach to the foster parents or to the adoptive parents? And I was just barely at that time getting involved in play therapy. And I started in another agency just part-time and they had this amazing playroom that I didn't even know how good I had it. (laughs) And I was really learning play therapy by the seat of my pants, truly. And because there was no supervision, there was really not that many trainings out there. But what happened is a couple years down the line, I ended up going to Association for Play Therapy Conference. And at that conference, I ended up in, in the room um, in a, a workshop, and there was Viola Brody, because what had happened in this, or what I saw in the brochure was this developmental play can help attachment, theory, you know, can help attachment, and, you know, and, you know, this is something, you know, that 
I was became very interested in. So I went to the workshop and here she is talking about touch. So I'm kind of bringing this into the conversation a little bit. She's talking about touch as the change agent. And then, but it was very, very different from all the, the client-centered play therapy that I had learned about and you're doing the toys and we're learning about the themes of following the children's play and Virginia Axline and all of this. And I'm like, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, touch, what is she talking about? And then I'm, I, I got very concerned, too, about practitioners touching children. So I raised my hand and I said, Dr. Brody, you know, I'm like, Dr. Brody, Dr. Brody. And she's like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, what about the concerns of practitioners touching children? And so, you know, here we are in the early 90s at this time, and her answer basically, you know, because she's coming out of years of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and maybe the 80s, where touching children wasn't so much an issue. And her answer at that point was like, oh, I've never had a problem with that. Well, little did I know at that moment that I would be trying to answer that question. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> about touch and how that you know what are the the you know how does this affect us in therapy with children and you know what about the ethics and coming to the ethical considerations of touch and that's kind of the springboard that's where it all began so I know I gave you a really really long answer to that question about what's the story behind the professional um, yes component of it but I, I just thought you know I'm just springboard you know how one thing leads to another yeah. but I just wanted to kind of give you the basis of where I came from for the foundation of how I even got to where I am right now yes thank you for that very helpful you know um and I believe, I, I'm not sure how many books Viola Borley has, but I know the Dialogue of Touch was, you know, one um, that I remember. And even in the 90s, when I was going to APT conferences, I remember one conference I went to, and in the whole booklet, only one presenter had any mention of foster or adoption, and the entire conference. Wow. It was Illyrian Play Therapy with Terry Cotman. That was the only presentation that was. So I, of course, you know, was working in that field also. And I thought, oh, I'm going to sign up for that one. But isn't it interesting that it doesn't seem to be a part, at least the, that year's conference, there was not a single mention of it in the entire rest of the brochure, not about attachment, not about foster care, nothing. So we've come a long way, haven't we? We have come a long way. When you put it in that perspective, I'm like, whoa, wow. <laughs> yes, yes. So, okay, so you uh, were exposed to, to Viola Brody's um, developmental play therapy model, and you were uh, learning about attachment and trauma and how did you get from that point to I'm going to develop something of my own and call it first play. Okay. Well, there you have it. Well, see what happened is, you know, just to give you a little bit more of the short story, there's a yes. long story to this, but I'm giving you the short story. So as I, you know, met her, I became very, very fascinated with her work and that, you know, it looked like a really powerful tool to help 
you know, bonding and, you know, for attachment and as a, 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 a treatment for this, yes. for this problem. And so then I started diving in and going to her workshops and, you know, I brought her to my area and, you know, my, you know, and did further work. And then when I went back to school for my doctorate in um, 1997, I decided I was going to do a dissertation on developmental play therapy. And so at that point, she was, you know, part of my dissertation committee. I, you know, I had her on the committee as a consultant. Well, a few years after that, she ended up dying mm. and passing away. And I have to say that after she died, you know, you know, a few of us that had been trained in her model were all kind of looking at each other, you know, kind of going, okay, so, you know, what happens to developmental play therapy now that she's passed away? And it wasn't necessarily that she looked at somebody and said, okay, I'm passing the gauntlet to you. Do you know what I mean? She didn't necessarily do that. But I felt a responsibility to this model because I knew it and I understood it. So after she died, I started teaching it and doing workshops and developmental play. I started picking up the pieces of that. Well, guess what happened? What? <laughs> As I was starting to give these trainings, I had people raising their hands. Dr. Courtney, <laughs> Dr. Courtney. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> uh, well, what about the concerns of practitioners touching children? <laughs> and I started realizing, I said, you know what? This, is, this really is a real issue. And I started backtracking from that. I'm like, you know what? This whole touch issue is not necessarily such a problem for developmental play, but it involves all of us every single one of us that works with children, not just the touch-based type of interventions, but the interventions, you know, children that have been sexually abused, children that are witnessed domestic violence, and from, you know, all different perspectives of, you know, how we, you know, even if we know that, again, that we're not necessarily using a touch-based intervention, touch happens within sessions. I mean, even if it's, you know, knocking elbows in the playroom as we're passing, you know, each other or, you know, we touch when we're passing a crayon. So I wanted to address that issue from a larger, wider point of view, not just for developmental play. Not, and so anyway... That's when I just had this epiphany and I said, well, you know what, if it's, if it is an issue and it is a concern, it is real, you know, the liability concerns that possibly a child could say that a therapist inappropriately touched them, even though they didn't inappropriately touch them. I mean, it's rare, but it could possibly be one scenario. So I said, let me just back, back up here again, it, again, and I am going to create a model to where we know how important, how vital touches. And, but I'm going to create a model to where we're going to use an adapted filial play therapy model where we use the parent as change agent. And the therapist is not going to necessarily touch the child unless it's responsive touch, meaning the child wants a hug. I'm not going to push them away. So responsive touch is very different than a touch-based intervention. So we're going to create a model to where we use the available caregivers, they use the, you know, the, the parents or 
the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, who foster parents, whoever has access to that child. And we're going to teach them and guide them to provide that good caring touch to that child. And how do we do it? We do it through storytelling. And that brings to um, the forefront a whole nother aspect of first play, which is an Ericksonian um, foundations in my work with uh, Joyce Mills in uh, storytelling and also um, my training in Ericksonian hypnotherapy of understanding the power of metaphor and the power of storytelling. Another teacher of mine was Steve Langton. And um, so I created a, the development of First Play uh, for two different developmental levels uh, based on the combination of storytelling, metaphoric storytelling, therapeutic storytelling in combination with a touch-based kinesthetic intervention. Um, and so adapting to Viola Brody's work, the, the work of developmental play therapy, and creating therapeutic stories for children that are, are sensory-based. So it's not just touch, but there's a lot of sensory component to the storytelling. And, um, you know, just again, looking at it for two different developmental levels. And the first one being for infants, uh, birth to two years old. And in that, I have to say, I dove into the uh, training in, um, in infant massage and learning more about touch and learning from an infant massage for babies. And then under, you know, combining the infant massage with developmental games or the first play type of activities. And so taking those and kind of combining them into a manualized uh, program for infants. And so in the infant model, the parents are, are guided through an adopted filial play therapy model, how to provide a tuned touch to their babies while we model it on a baby doll. <laughs> so we're not touching the babies. We're teaching the parents how to provide, a, you know, good attunement and listening to the baby, asking permission of that baby before we touch that baby. Oh, I just love this. <laughs> I'm so passionate about it. And again, this work goes back to my work with working with babies. That's, you know, in the adoption area and the foster care area, they were really the the birth to two-year-old age that I first started out working with. So it's just so yummy to me and so um, fun for me to kind of go back and, and, you know, kind of come for a circle and working again with the infants and the parents. And then for the older children, it's um, the first play is more for the these more we get in more into the storytelling part of it and how do we create therapeutic stories with children from scratch and i have a like a, a child interview grid that we interview the child and pull from them their their inner strengths and then we create a therapeutic story for them practitioners learn how to do that and then um, using interspersed positive messages and parallel metaphors and metaphorical crisis and and then we add a kinesthetic piece to that and then so children know these stories as back stories stories that can be told on children's backs so 
that's kind of an essence. I know I've given you a lot of information <laughs> in a very yeah. short period of time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you yes. for just letting me ramble on here. <laughs> yes. Well, it's really fascinating. And I, I've been writing down different questions I have as, as you've been sharing, but um, I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're about out of time for part one of the podcast. And I'm, and I'm so eager for us to come back to part two to kind of pick this apart a little bit okay. and, mm-hmm. and hear some further details about it. So uh, listeners, we're going to end for today. It's quite a teaser hearing about all of this. I know you're going to want to hear more about it. So please join us for part two. This concludes part one of the two-part conversation between Karen Doyle Buckwalter and Dr. Janet Courtney on infant mental health and first play therapy model. Part two will be released on January 5th. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.